how did you feel about Spotify Raps this year? Mine was embarrassing, so I couldn't post it, basically. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I like it. I feel like they stole my text a little bit, but that's This right. is what I was thinking. Um, I think that's where the question was linked okay. from. Yeah, I literally thought exactly the same thing. Do you know what? I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding like an absolute twat, but I feel like I get copied weekly at the moment, and I, I don't know whether to see it as flattery or as to get really enraged about it, but I am just trying to kind of ignore it but yeah the, the spotify rap thing i was like the thing that annoys me i'm like just hire me like i'm nice yeah. i'll work yeah. with you like it's spotify i'm not like, i'm not gonna be like oh yuck no just just email me man that's that's the thing that annoys me but i i guess for a lot of these companies they've got their in-house graphic design team and mm. so they they will see something they like and then then it will be rolled out i just feel like that's how you're taught as well like in design school or when you're studying like they teach you so much to reference and they rarely say like, cool, you can reference, but at the end of the day, there's a human being or a studio that's made that piece of work and they, you know, they own that and that's their thing. It's not okay to just steal it. I think they just go like, pull all these things you like and, and base it and make something. And you're like, cool, but like that person spent a lifetime making their style and no one's going to like you or respect you for stealing that. Like, it's not just me. It happens to everyone. Where, uh, when we had Adam JK on the show, he was, he was talking about, oh, like, yeah. I, I don't own handwriting, but I do own my own handwriting. And I see my own handwriting <laughs> used on, by these companies and these ads and stuff. And it's, yeah. it's, it's super frustrating. And I think, I, I guess the good thing is, is now that because a lot of artists can have a platform to call this stuff out, um, yeah. that we do see it happening less. Um, and and it's going to be like versions of rather than kind of direct ripoffs, but yeah, um, but yeah, it's still happening. It's still a problem. Yeah, and it's different because I've I've taught a few guest lectures and guest workshops at different universities around the world, and that's really different because like often I'm making a, a, a they're doing a workshop where I'll be like, here, make a type poster that's kind of like vaguely inspired by my style, and you know they're super young, they're like eighteen, nineteen, and they're just learning, and they might make a poster and it might look like my work. But I'm like, cool, that's so fine. Like, that's such a different thing because it's like a young student trying to find their style and stuff. It depresses me when it's like an in-house agency at like a really big brand. Like, these people should be at the top of their game. They shouldn't just be jacking from, you know, other people's style. Or if they are, they should just be working with that person. <laughs> you know, that, that's what I always kind of find baffling, that they don't, they don't think to work um, for that person. But... I don't know. I'm not really one for call out. Like, I'm not like, they copied me. Like, go fuck yourselves. Like, I feel like that's really just a bad vibe. But sometimes I'm just like, man, come on. Like, that kind of upsets me in a way. Like, I put so much of my heart and, like, life into my work that I'm like, I see it as an extension of my personality. So it's, you know, it feels it feels a bit like it kind of hurts me in a way. Yeah, there's definitely that balance yeah. there, isn't it? Is Because I always recommend that if someone's, first starting in art or design or anything that they look and find people to take reference from and like start to yeah. emulate them because by doing that you'll learn those techniques but I think there definitely needs to be that balance of like it's the same as well at school if you if you're writing if you go and copy someone's words that's called plagiarism and then you'll get kind of kicked out of your class for it or you'll kind of yeah. fail the exam whereas I feel like that almost needs to be taken more into the art world of being like this is where I've taken reference from because if you're writing an essay, yeah. you put your little reference points at the bottom. And I think that's yeah. where it's probably because of social media and people have the need of, I've created something, so I have to put it out on the internet. And it's like, 
and yeah. otherwise it didn't happen. And yeah. it's that kind of little thing that I think people just need to make sure that if they do copy someone, they write, this is inspired by this person. Because then it's kind of acknowledging yeah. that's where it came from. And it's not someone trying to like yeah. trick someone else into saying, this is the work that I created. This is from my own brain. Because I think at the end yeah. of the day, but then I suppose it's an interesting one. Because I suppose there's that weird, at some point there must be that flip of, well, this is references, but now my own style is starting to form. But obviously it's still inspired by that. And it needs to be at some point yeah. when I can say that's no longer inspired by that. Yeah, it's it's a really tricky one. I don't really know what the answer is because it's so like widespread now. But um, yeah, I, I think crediting people is, is probably a, at least a good start and a good practice. But I think more what would be good is being like, hey, I like that thing. Who made that? Let's contact them then. Especially when it gets up to that agency level of like, they can afford to get someone in to do this. It's, and it's like, that is just a complete ripoff of these certain things. And it, I always I always say like, I would love to have a BMW. I can't afford one. So like, that's just the reality of this. So I could, but it would be very expensive and I don't want to spend that much money. So it's like, I accept the fact that I don't have a BMW. And it's a similar thing. It's like, yeah, you might want that. But if you aren't willing to pay for it or can't afford yeah. it, like you just have you to just accept can't have that. it. That's yeah. the reality of life. <laughs> you know? So when building up your own style, how did that kind of evolve mm. from kind of where it first started to where it is now? Yeah. Um, it's funny because I feel like my, my trajectory was a bit weird. So like I... Um, I, I wanted to do a million different things when I was younger, but I went and studied graphic design mainly because I I, I pretty, pretty much failed school and I didn't want to go to art school. I wanted to study film, but I didn't get into the university because I failed school. I didn't really even know what graphic design was, so I just kind of did it. And I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to be creative and make things. So... Um, when I first started making work, like when I first started studying graphic design, I was being taught all of like Photoshop and all of these things, but I wasn't necessarily being like, cool, now I can design like a flyer for a cafe. I was like, okay, I could, this is just my medium of how I can now make work. And I think especially like originally, because I'd wanted to go into film, I made so many gifts because I'd wanted to make moving image and I'd, I'd wanted to make music videos and like so many music videos at that time were very DIY. And I love like MIA and Senegal and artists like that where they really like made, they made their music videos in Photoshop. So I was kind of attacking it from, from that angle as, a, as opposed to more of a graphic designer. Um, so I did that and, and I made all of this work. And then I went off and worked in advertising for um, five or six years. And I just stopped making all of, that kind of crazy work and then it went full circle and I went back to that but it's funny if I compare it now like the work I was making when I first started studying and the work I'm making now is pretty similar it's just been refined kind of over um, some years and obviously working in advertising for all that time gave me um, a way to find how I could make my work accessible to people as opposed to just making like this jumble and mess of colors it was like, okay, you can do that, but at the end of the day, there's someone at the end that has to receive that information and process it. So how do you make it digestible to that person? So yeah, it, um, it's funny that it's basically gone full circle. I did a talk um, this time last year and I was just going through my old hard drives, finding my old work. And I'm like, I was getting to a point where I was like, I don't know if I made this last month or at the very <laughs> start of my career. Like it, was, it, it was getting a little confusing. Um, but yeah, I think it's just... 
um, at different points in my career, I've just made different things. And then about three years ago when I was really like, okay, I'm going to be like Chris, the artist now, um, I just like kind of invested in myself and I was like, I'm going to spend time to like hone my, all of these things I've been making and all of these things I've been doing. And I'm going to be like, mix them all into one and be like, this is basically what I'm making. But it came very naturally. I wasn't for, I'm not forcing a style upon myself. It's just literally when I sit down, that's what I make. Um, and around that time is when I stopped referencing and stopped. I barely look at other people's. I look at other people's work all the time, but I n- never sit down when I start a project with like references. I just sit mm. down and start making. I find it really toxic to look at other people's work when I'm starting work. But I get really inspired by other people's work in a sense that I'm like, cool, they've done a cool thing. That's really exciting. How good for them. I'm going to do my own thing in that lane. I get jealous of people when they do really well, like everyone does. But I'm not like, why well, I wish I did that exact piece. I'm just like, man, I wish I got that project. That's really interesting because I think like I'm a photographer and... I don't actually mm. follow many other photographers, but every now and again, I will come across <laughs> people's work that I really like. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's sick. And I'll have a scroll in the feed for a bit. And I'm like, this is super inspiring. But then I won't follow them yeah. because I know if I do, it's gonna. F- <laughs> I'm just going to start copying them. And it's like a good way to kind yeah. of just look, but then not get too far into it because then it's like, you're not copying. It's just something's implanted in your memory somewhere. And you're taking like yeah. a little bit of inspiration that some you saw at some point. That's why I really like Pinterest because on that, it's like yeah. you don't know who the artist is. It's hard to then go down and find out exactly who they are unless you really research yeah. it. So you can get this like yeah. really nice scroll of just like different bits of inspiration Random without things. like yeah. specifically copying one person. It's funny, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a very, very good animator. Um, and I we were chatting and I, was, I noticed it because like, we've been friends for a while. And I was like, he doesn't follow me on Instagram. And I was like, you dick. Like, <laughs> come on, what are you doing? And he's like, I had to unfollow you because I felt like I was too inspired by you that I was copying. So he's like, I'm still your friend. I just don't follow you on Instagram because if I look at your work every day, it's going to end up. But it's funny because I'd never once thought like, oh, he's trying Like, I've never thought his work looks like mine at all. I mean, it's in a similar vein. Um, but it's funny as you say, photographer, like I don't follow any designers. I don't think, I don't, like I don't see myself as a designer. It's just, that's kind of the world I kind of vaguely came from and that's yeah. what I studied. But I've always seen myself as an artist that studied as, as a designer. So I follow more like artists and illustrators and photographers and filmmakers and musicians. Like that's more my world. But I, I guess I have like the skill set of a designer. It's always good to follow people that are like on the other spectrum of your of art, I think. Yeah, I think that that's what really pushes you in a direction that becomes unique then, because it's like if this is mm. happening in the current medium that you work in, then it's like there might be trends yeah. happening there that you don't want to slip into. Because I feel like a lot of people yeah. make those mistakes of just like, what's trendy right now? I'm just going to copy that. What's trendy now? Yeah. I keep copying that. And they never really develop yeah. a style that's unique to them. They never get really known for one thing. Whereas I think by ignoring mm. that and then focusing and taking inspiration from other things that you like, that's where your work becomes more you because it's like, I'm not just copying yeah. what this other person's done because what that other person's done is based on all of the things that they like in their life. That they've come together to make that piece. Whereas for yeah. me, it'd be like, well, what TV shows do I like? What cartoons do I like? What magazines do I like? And like trying to take inspiration yeah. from other places and bring that into your work. I think that's where it becomes a bit more unique. I think that's just the best way to approach like creativity in general is to not get too in your bubble of like the medium that you're in. Um, 
and like just see it as like you know an output in general because you might change like um i might end up making films like who who knows <laughs> you know like that that was what i wanted to do at one stage earlier in my life and maybe eventually i will be directing music videos who knows like it's a long long career ahead but um it's so it's, it's nice to be like constantly influenced by that and and looking at it for sure yeah definitely and and i think when we were talking earlier about the spotify thing it's like you know that that work was well you almost certainly know that that work was created with that that kind of style guide reference point like here's the things that we've trawled off the internet that we really like your per- yeah. work was probably on there along with a couple of other people's um and mm-hmm. it's like so we don't get something that's kind of groundbreaking and exciting we just get a a derivative of of something else yeah. um and yeah. and but i suppose that's the the sort of system that that exists in the nine to five and you've it, it must be interesting for you because you've come from that nine to five world like what was the point yeah. where you were like i've got to not do this anymore and go back to what i was doing before my nine to five yeah i just fucking hated it like <laughs> i'm so glad you can let me swear because i feel like you can get a lot of emphasis out of swearing but i i really hated it i mean some i, I a lot of people work in advertising and they honestly really enjoy it and they got get a lot out of it and I couldn't be more happy for them, you know, each to their own. It's just, I have never been like, I've never, um, I'm very opinionated and I always like to stand up for the things I believe in and I don't like being told what to do. Um, you know, so a lot of that doesn't really work in the advertising world. So I just got, I just got so fed up in the end and I was like, I would rather go work in a cafe. Like, I, I had this kind of epiphany. I went camping in the middle of nowhere and there was these huts on the beach and it was like near a town. So I could have got a job in the town. And I was like, I'm happy if that's my life, I can live in that hut and I can go and work in the local cafe. That'll suit me fine. I don't need a lot of money. I don't give a shit. And I was like, okay, why am I working in advertising? I fucking hate it. There, I've got two alternatives. I go and live in that hut and work in a cafe or I try and make a living out of art. And so that's basically what I did. And I was working at this contract and it was just really bad. I hated it so much. And I um, I was getting really frustrated and I wanted to be saying things with my work. So I just started making work on the side again. And that felt really exciting. I felt really excited by work, which I hadn't felt for such a long time. Um, so I made out of this work and I felt really liberated because I was like finally had a place to put all of my views on the planet. and. Um, on my community and things like that and I could put I could put that somewhere and be like here look at it um, and so I basically just quit advertising had an exhibition and then it just went from there and I know that sounds like it's really fast but I mean there was years leading up to that like kind of tip of the iceberg where I was like okay I'm fucking done like <laughs> and I'm willing to, to risk like losing everything and going working in a cafe not that that's a bad job, but, you know, like it's not going to pay a shit ton of money and, yeah. you know, all these things. So, um, yeah, I just felt like I had nothing left to lose and I or nothing to lose, basically. And I, I'd accepted the, <laughs> the plan B and fortunately plan A worked out. But yeah, I felt like it was a long, a long process to get to that. And um, I think I also just stopped caring what people thought of me and started to be really honest and make work that I thought was like the best thing I could make and that it stood for something. And, 
Um, obviously I'm gay and I wanted to put that in my work and I wanted to stand up for my community. And when I started doing that, people started to relate to it because they were like, oh, okay, like that's a valid opinion on this topic. Um, let's discuss. So that, that was really, um, that was really liberating for me as well, because I think before that people were like, Chris is a little intense. (laughs) And when they could see my work, they were like, a little less intense. I understand it now. He kind of makes sense. So I feel like if you take my work away, it's very, um, I'm, I'll just be going back to be like slightly annoying. Whereas <laughs> when the work's there, it's like, oh, okay, the, the makes sense. The, the full thing is, it's okay. He's, he's not so bad. Yeah, you, me- you mentioned in your Adobe Max talk um, that I watched recently, you were saying that mm. your work is the vessel of dealing with what you're going through. I don't know if it was my family that taught me this or my friends or whatever. I just always, I'm quite an emotional person and I like to get it out <laughs> and like express uh, what I'm feeling as opposed to bottling it up. But so I think that comes out naturally. Also, like for no other reason than like when you work with type, you have to say something. (laughs) So I was like, well, I could be, I could say something like good vibes only, or I could be like, well, I'm kind of pissed off about this, or I feel really strongly about this. I'll just make a poster to illustrate that. And then at least I'll feel like I've gotten, I've dealt with that and I've gotten that kind of emotion out of me. So I, yeah, I felt like it, it is definitely a vessel, but then on the flip side, like sometimes I just want to make work. Like it doesn't always have to be like save the planet or like, gay rights now it sometimes it can just be like a pile of like whatever and that's okay too but i feel like at the core i try to always i try to to at least make sure there is a large percentage of my work that is like representing how i feel about things did you ever feel nervous putting that out in the fact that because it is so personal to you that it might be rejected no i feel like the opposite because i was like i don't yeah I was like, I don't care if it's like the way it's, I'm, I knew deep down that I was like, not that I was right. That sounds really wanky. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no, but I, I knew deep down that I had good intentions. So I was like, if someone doesn't like it, I don't care because like, I'm, if I put a message in my work, it's probably that I want something to be better. It's not that I'm like trying to like, pull someone down or anything so yeah. they don't like it if someone doesn't like it i'm like well okay also like i i always have this rule that you'll never be 100 percent happy with anything ever like nothing will ever satisfy you 100 percent. 80 percent is achievable so if you just entire throughout your life go do you know what 80 percent of the time this will work and these things will be good 20 percent of the time it won't work and i'll be unhappy or someone whatever so i'm like 20 percent of people don't like my work couldn't give a flying fuck as long as 80% is like, okay, yeah, he's like, that's fine. I mean, hopefully it's 80%. Hopefully it's not like 10% of people being like, yeah, you go, Chris. And the other 90 are like, what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, 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 didn't, I just don't. I, it's not that I don't care. I care immensely about my work. I just, I'm not upset if someone's not going to like it. I'm more upset if someone steals it, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, not not to put words in your mouth, but I guess it's it's like it's for the people that like it, you're glad that they mm. like it, and for the people that you, that don't like it, you don't really give a fuck because it's not for them. No, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's incredibly true. And as I was, I like I was talking to someone today, and they it was very random, like a friend, and they were like, "Oh, I was at a dinner party the other night with this." 
girl and she was 18 and she'd just come out to their, her parents and it hadn't gone that well. And I was like, wow, this is very hectic. And then she's like, oh, but she's a massive fan of your work. And I was like, oh, that's also super random. But it was really nice because she was like, oh, it was, I can't, again, how do I say this? I'm like a dick. She was like, <laughs> I really looked to his work, that his like confidence in his sexuality. And I felt um, like I felt empowered is maybe not the right word, but like I felt like stronger. And I'm not saying like she probably has lots of influences that got her to the point. Yeah. But it was nice to know that like I had a small impact on an incredibly difficult thing in her life. That's that's so that will make up for ten people or what like if there's a negative yeah thing coming in, I'll be like, whatever, that that one person like that that's pretty great. Because I know from my own experience, like when there's people that I've looked up to in a similar context, like that's meant a lot to me. So if I can mean that to someone else, that's like insane. Yeah. I think there's something really powerful as well about putting work out with confidence because I think most people aren't that confident I would probably say as like a general rule <laughs> yeah. in what they do and I think just to find someone who's a bit of a role model who oozes that confidence I think it's like why we love celebrity and that kind of thing it's just you look at someone on stage yeah. and you're like they are so confident I want to be them and yeah. it's like not that you want to be them in like doing the same job and that kind of thing you just yeah. want to have the perceived confidence that they have and I think that's why it's so important yeah. as artists to put work out that helps kind of empower people to give them that confidence like even if yeah. at the time of posting it or making it you don't actually feel that if you can purvey things in a way that says like i'm confident in what i'm doing that mm. really rubs off on people 100 percent. and i i it was like the shyest kid like i was painfully 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 shy and i had to really work to be confident and to like like believe in myself and things like it was it was a lot of effort it took so i feel like i i've earned it in a way and i'm like when people are really shy i'm like fine not everyone has to be really confident and really extroverted but i'm i'm like you know like i was shy too it's you can you can get there kellyanna has been on your podcast as well and Ken, kelly's one of my best friends um from from ages ago and she has this slogan that she kind of always uses and she says be stupidly confident and i just think it's it is genius because i mean she is a genius anyway but um it's just such a genius slogan in so many ways and I think as well, like sometimes confidence is stupidity. I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean like sometimes you just have to like get out of yourself a bit and not be so like in your head and be like, I'm just going to do this and I'm not going to overthink it and I'm not going to like deconstruct it on all these levels and hope that it's right. I'm just going to fucking go and do it and hope that it works. If it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. And just that kind of like stupid, conf- like, yeah, be stupidly confident, I think is is because you can and someone also said something recently to me that like anxiety has no outcome on the on the result and i'm like that's so true like we spend so much of our life being really anxious about things that we actually can't even control in the end so you may as well just like go for it and then if it doesn't work out like it's not the end of the world really it's almost like confidence is doing something before you think about it whereas as soon as you start to think about it that's where anxiety (laughs) and all the kind of questions come in so it's like just going to do it and i suppose it's that's yeah, that's probably where confidence comes from. It's almost like you're not consciously thinking about it. It's almost like your subconscious has decided that's what you're going to do and you just go and do it rather than yeah. letting your like conscious mull through it and think about yeah. how many ways it could fail before you yeah. even go into it. But but I think this is the thing that I always say to people, like be honest about your work or like just 
if you if you make work that, that comes to you really naturally and that is like rooted to you, who you are as your being like your your cultural background or your sexuality or any, any like everyone has a situation that they've come from and that's what you should put in your work that and you've got everyone's also had like the house that they grew up that had like yellow curtains or like their parents had a blue car or they grew up near the forest like everyone has these like in, insane things that has like formed their visual language over time and that's what you should put into your work because then you don't have to question it as much because you're like okay maybe someone can question it but this is literally the person that I am and these are all my influences throughout my life so if you don't like it so be it but like this is all I got you know <laughs> like th- these are yeah. my things whereas I feel like if you're if you're like trying to kind of cobble things together from other influences yeah probably you are like oh is it good enough I'm not really sure because you're probably comparing it to the original and then maybe it isn't good enough because it's not as good as the original whereas if you're just making something that's really honest to you you can't really I think you can't really go wrong with that to be honest as you're saying that that is making me think about like when we do public speaking it's like quite a few people yeah. be like how are you so good like how how are you so confident when it comes to public mm. speaking it's like mm. because I'm just talking about my own experiences in my own life yeah, it's yeah. the easiest thing. I yeah. can't go wrong because I know exactly what 100%. I'm talking about. Whereas if you said to me, yeah. can you do, okay, you've got a week, you're going to do a presentation on the <laughs> Egyptians uh, around this certain <laughs> period and it has to be flawless. Yeah. I'd be like, fuck, you're trying to remember something that's not you. And I think that's yeah, what a lot of people 100%. get mixed up with. It's like they, they're not authentic to themselves. They're not yeah. just telling their own story. They're trying to tell someone mm. else's. And probably they're like, oh, remember that time in like grade nine English class where I had to give an essay on like, the French Revolution and you're like well yeah you you learn about that but it doesn't relate to you at all yeah yeah yeah, you are really nervous whereas yeah as you say when you're public speaking and you're talking about your life or your career it's really easy because you literally are just talking I mean of course then you still get nervous sometimes because you're like that's a thousand people wow (laughs) (laughs) but but at least you you know like you know what you're gonna talk about so that that definitely makes it easier yeah no, and i think if we're if we fuck it up we just find it quite funny um well that and, too yeah humility yeah. will get you very far <laughs> yeah um so so going back to to working in the ad industry obviously you said mm. that you fucking hated it so you got out of that <laughs> but is there anything yeah. that because because i think when we do learn these jobs we pick up quite a lot actually by working a nine-to-five was there anything that you picked up during the nine-to-five that you have brought into your work that's that's kind of helping you now for sure like I mean I say negative things about it but I learned so much working in advertising and that's why I never discourage people from going into it because it can be, be incredibly cool and you can learn a lot and you can get amazing opportunities out of it I I feel like I learned a lot of things I learned how to work really fast because I always was working for like massive kind of agencies for the most part where there was just never any time and you you were always against it and so I just learned how to work really really fast which is a really good tool now you also learn how to just think really like I there were so many times where I'd like design like you know a rectangle ad and then they'd be like okay now it has to fit on the side of a bus and like on a billboard that's like 28 meters long and one meter high and you learn (laughs) how to make work at like so many different scales and i think that's also really important to because especially now with instagram like people are just designing so often in this rectangle and that's quite unrealistic out in the world and it's kind of cool to um especially like then when you get into product design or clothing and things like that like again you're not designing a rectangle you've got to think about like how it's going to be 
on the body and things like that. So I learned, yeah, how to make work kind of fit in lots of different things. Um, I learned like a pretty good work ethic, I think. I learned what not to do, like when it comes to a work ethic. I guess to work with other people and that you can learn from from other people um, and you can also learn when people don't deserve your time at all <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> um, and I think I also learned how to present work because quite often you're, um, you know, you, you'll do a job and you've got to like present it to your creative director or whatever and be like, this is why I did this. And, and creative directors can be quite like harsh, I guess. And they're like, don't do this. Why would you have done that? And you always have to have an answer. So over time, you kind of develop this way of explaining your work. I think it's so interesting with you because because like your your work kind of blurs the line between art and design. And, yeah. and I think had you known yourself earlier, you might have got not like you might have not taken the graphic design route. But I feel like it's really cool that you did, because like now you have all of these tools of, of like b- behaving like an artist, but having at your disposal the ability to to like just do so much with graphic design like i think so many artists could benefit from just learning the basics of photoshop of being able to mm. put together a client deck would just go so yeah. far to helping a lot of artists get a lot more 100%. opportunities had i have gone to art school i just like it wouldn't have i just know friends and they were like oh go outside and like look at the sun and then paint a chair for three days i would have been like are you serious like i as much as i am an artist that trained as a designer I like the function of design. I like that it's um, it kind of has a purpose in it. There's like an end point. Whereas sometimes I get frustrated with art because it's too self-indulgent and it's too like, I don't know, just too like off with the fairies in a yeah. way. It's like, I, I like the middle ground where you, you take, you know, the, you get rid of all the, the rules that kind of come with graphic design and then, but you have enough rules that you can, you know, like pull in the art a bit and make it. Because I also, I really don't like when work is alien. When work alienates people, I think um, it's really nice when people can access your work. And I think often with the art world, it's very alienating, and I, I really don't like that. I think it should should be for anyone to digest, or at least for my work anyway. So I, I yeah, you're right. I do sit somewhere in the middle, and I'm quite content intent there i must say <laughs> I, I i guess it makes it exclusive when you make it hard to understand because there's not yeah. that like kind of access point in into yeah. a lot of if we look at like a lot of people on the street are not going to go and look in a gallery because they feel like it's yeah. not for them and there's so many factors over the years like rooted in history that that yeah. mean that a gallery is not a, an accessible person i mean p- partly if you look at sort of when we go back in history, the only people that are being recorded in these portraits are the lords and ladies, like the top 1%, uh, the people that yeah. are, like, you don't go and see images of, of like, the serfs in yeah. the 1700s or anything, do you? It's, it's, everything is, like, yeah. kind of this high, this is not for you, this is for us, the elite, which I think, mm. I guess it is changing, and I think things like street art change that, and I think the internet has changed that yeah. massively, and I think making work that that people can understand, I think... I, I think is gonna is gonna get you a larger audience. It's gonna and you're gonna be yeah. able to help more people and you're gonna be able to change more. And you'll just get more work. And so like <laughs> yeah. if you want to be really shallow about it, it's a lot easier to hire someone that's accessible. And that because that's a question that I, I feel like I get asked a lot from students. They're like, "How do you get hired?" 
And you're like, well, if you make something that's really accessible to people, you become a lot more hireable than someone who's making really difficult things. Like, you know, not that that's, that's everyone's different and everyone wants to do their thing and that's, there's space for everyone. But I think for me, I, I like to appeal to like a broader or an audience and have as many people see like my work as humanly possible. I'm always going to want more people to see it, I think. I suppose it's thinking about like what your end goal is. Like if you want your art to be your career, then it's going to have to Mm -hmm. appeal to a certain amount of people to consume it. Otherwise, there's no money in there. Whereas if you just want to do it for a hobby, you can go away with the fairies as much as you want and it can only appeal to three people in the whole world or even just you. You can just create for yourself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there has to be that balance of like if you want to have a career doing it, there has to be that kind of like cross-section of something that's commercially viable at the same time. Do you know who Grace Coddington is? There's one part in a, in a documentary about her and she kind of says, like, you've got to put your work somewhere for it to be valid, otherwise it's invalid. And it's kind of true. It's like if your work can't sit in into, like, culture, then it's not that it's invalid because people also can do work at home and it can just bring them joy and that's fine. But, you know, if you're seeking for your work to be received by people it has to be valid to sit in a space that then mm. validate it and that people can access it as a creative it's like what we're doing now is thinking like well where could that be featured and if you can't answer yeah. that then you really need to think about well where am i going to go with this and like do i have to change my work yeah. slightly to feature here so for example if i want to feature in this fashion magazine what do the mm. pictures in that fashion magazine currently look like because if i'm creating something that looks mm. completely different there's a good chance they're not going to take a huge gamble and just be like, ah, let's tell you what, we're going to ignore all of our design <laughs> like views. We're just going to go yeah. for this random piece this week. So it's, yeah, it's a, adapting, yeah. I suppose, to, to the room that we're going to fit into and making sure that there's actually a room to fit into if you want to have a commercially viable like career. Because if, yeah, mm-hmm. if there is no room, then there's no one, to, no one to kind of view it. I think a lot of artists get kind of frustrated that they have this vision and everyone's not coming along for the ride um and i think that's such a that's such a journey that you go on of like maybe that work's not ready yet maybe that Mm. we can't see your unique vision because you're not articulating it well and that might not just be the work that you're creating that might be around the way that you talk about the work that might be around how you market the work um and and chris um on that Adobe thing that I mentioned earlier, you said you said something so quickly, so off the cuff, and and then it moved on to the next part. But you said, um, promote yourself, be shameless. And I think so mm-hmm. many artists struggle with, with this aspect of actually promoting themselves and, and creating those opportunities by getting known and putting their work out there. Yeah. Again, be stupidly confident. Just steal my best friend's slogan and <laughs> run with it. <laughs> no, but I, I just, um, but see, I referenced her, so it's very different. True. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I do think that it's really important to do that. Um, and yeah, I just always think if you don't believe in your work, kind of why would anyone else or why would anyone else think that it's kind of good if, if you don't yourself? But um, yeah, I just think it's always a good idea. I think often you think like, oh, things will come to me if I just put work out. And also it's sometimes it's really important to be like, here's this body of work I've made. I'm going to show it to these people in the hope that then they will like, you know, share it or elevate it or kind of write a thing about it. And so many things that I've done, I've got because I asked for them, not because, 
you know, like a lot of things, I have just got an email and then that's a project. But a lot of things I've been like, I would really like to do this thing. I'm just letting you know. If you don't want me, that's fine. But I'm just telling you I would like to talk at this thing or I, I would like to work with you, blah, blah, blah. And so many times they're like, oh, sick. That, that would be amazing. So a few times they've been like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. Again, like you can't, not everyone can like you. Um, so yeah, I think you just got to promote yourself and, and like stand up for yourself and kind of constantly be putting it out into the world and, and hoping that people will kind of, um, yeah. And I think people forget that, like not to be on money about it, but if I owned a cafe, I would be promoting it. I'd be like, yeah. hey, yeah. come and buy from me. You know, it's no different. If I'm a plumber, I'm. I, how am I going to get any clients if I don't promote it? So obviously I'm going to have to promote it. It's not something that I'm just going to sit back and wait for people to come. I have to put it in front of people for them to see it. Yeah, I love that. Um, we, we interviewed an artist recently who said you should collect no's. So you should go try and get as many no's as possible. <laughs> So it means you're just going for this audacious, outlandish shit. And she was like, you'd just be surprised at how many people actually say yes, even though you're trying to get yeah. the no. You're like, I want to work on this. Say no to me. And they just don't. It's brilliant. Yeah. And again, it's again, it's stupidly confident. See, Kelly is a genius. When I'm talking to young artists and designers, she's always the one that I'm like, you want to be Kellyanna. That, like that, I feel 100%. like it's the dream position. That's where you want to get to. Like yeah. people, like you've got a good following people. You've got like hardcore fans that are really into your stuff. that are going to buy your mm. prints every time you drop a new one. You've got a lot of brand interest. You've got like, you're just doing exciting projects consistently. I'm like, that's the stage you want to get to. And then they're always like, okay, great. How do I do that? And then I'm like, well, that's a lot, much longer conversation. <laughs> Kelly worked her ass off to get where she is. If anyone worked hard, she did. And so she, she earned everything she had. A million percent over. And she still works really hard. That makes me think, actually, there's, there's a designer that I was talking to recently who, um, who I said, you want to be Kellyanna to. And um, she's currently kind of like stuck doing the graphic design jobs that pay, like the logos and all of that sort of stuff. And she was like, how do I get out of this funk of just doing this stuff that I don't really care about to making the work that I want to make? I obviously gave her my advice, but what, what would you say if you were asked that question? That's a really tricky one because I, I did a lecture a while ago and then I was saying all of these things and uh, like a few people were like, yeah, but you still got to pay rent. And you're like, I get that. Like I was in the same position. I also have to pay rent. Like I don't, no one's paying my rent for me if I'm not paying it, you know? So there's... Um, yeah, like you, I mean, I just, I, I took a massive risk, to be honest, and thank God it paid off, but it could have so easily not, but I had accepted plan B. I think that's the thing. Like, um, I have always had like a very different view on life and I would be quite content in many situations that I think other people would not be. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think you have to earn it and, um, there was a transitional period where I was working full-time in advertising and then I was coming home and working like into the night making work like I made an exhibition with 40 pieces in it in a month while still working in advertising and I didn't go to the movies every night I didn't go out on the weekend I didn't go to bar like I was at home working and that's how I got it so you have to make sacrifices you can't to become successful, you have to make sacrifices. Like that is, like I can't express it. Or, or I mean, 
Or you have to put yourself in such a risky scenario where you're like, I'm going to 100% focus on my work and not do anything else to pay the rent. Like that's an incredibly risky situation to be in. So the flip side of that is like, I didn't have parents who could just like pay for me and give me loads of money. I had to do it myself. So I was like, I worked really hard in the day and I worked really hard in, well, somewhat hard in the day. And then I worked really <laughs> hard at nighttime to make the work that I wanted to make. And it took me like six months a year to do it. But I didn't, to be honest, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to do anything else. I just wanted to make work and get myself into a better scenario. So yeah. I wasn't like, oh, poor Chrissy sitting here like on Saturday night making work. I wish I was at the club. I was like, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm so happy being here. I, I will make this work for myself. Is that a short-term sacrifice overall? Because it's like, yeah, you're going to miss yeah. out on the club for a few years. But then like, actually, <laughs> now I'm sure you can go to the club whenever you want to. I mean, yeah, my, my goal was to always travel. Well, be paid to travel for work. And that's happening now. And that's... So I, yeah, I sacrificed having a bit of fun for a year or so. But the rewards that I'm getting now of like of that will far outweigh the, the sacrifice. I, I think um, when it comes to ambition, you and I are very similar. And I've listened to a few mm. times that you've been interviewed and, and you've talked about your, your sort of drive and stuff. And I uh, put out some in- Instagram stories the other week when Virgil Abloh died. And I was talking about mm. how I I was just like, I've got to make, like I have to make because... Mm this was just such a reminder of like how short time is. And, 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 and if there was some disaster and I only lived to be 42, I'm like, shit, I've not got much time. Like I've got mm. to, I've got to make, make, make. And then I got quite a few messages mm. from people going like, oh man, chill out. Like, like, don't worry. Mm. You like, you're putting too much pressure on yourself. And I was just like, no, like this is like, it, it's not a bad thing. Like I want to make, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to consistently be making because everything comes from making. A lot of create, creatives are in a fortunate position where they really like their job or it's as if their hobby has become their career in a sense. And I think it's yeah. sometimes hard for people who work in a less uh, exciting environment or a job that they maybe don't love as much. It's very hard for them to understand that. So, yeah, they can be like, oh, man, why are you working on a sad day? And you're like, well because I genuinely enjoy it. It's not like a burden for me. This is a like, I genuinely am excited by this. So I'm not like, oh, pour me on in the studio on Saturday. I'm like, cool, fine. I'm so happy. I'll go and do have some fun later. But right now I'm actually so fine with it. So there's, yeah, I think it's hard sometimes for people to understand that. Um, obviously, like the Virgil is like incredibly sad and like it's um, what like how much to achieve in such a short time. Not to take away from that, but like I've always admired Keith Haring. Like he's my favorite, mm. um, favorite artist of all time. And he died when he was thirty-one, and I always think of that. I'm like, my God, like he died at thirty-one. That's so young. Yeah. And all of the things he made and did and achieved. So I, I've always been a, like similar to you that I'm. I'm like I have to make so much, and I have so many things that I want to achieve because. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe we live to a 90 and that would be incredible. And there's also like a lot of artists that I admire that are working into their 80s. And you're like, that's so badass. Like, yeah, how cool. And it is that thing that they, sure, they could have retired, but that's their hobby. And, you know, when you retire, like, what else are you going to do? Obviously that you want to keep yourself busy and doing things you love. So if you love making work, that's your hobby. You're going to keep doing that. So, yeah, hopefully we can live a long time. 
happy life and make lots of work, but you do always have that thing in your back of your head. And, and then, but I think, again, I think that's a really good thing because I, I really get angry at people that waste their life. I, I find that like one, probably one of the qualities in people that I hate the most, apart from like racism and ignorance and things like that. I really hate people that are just like take their, it sounds really cheesy, but take their life kind of for granted. And they're just like, mm don't have that like zest for like living and you don't have to fucking live every second of your day and like, you know, enjoy every moment and blah, blah, blah. But it's also just being like, my time is limited. I have to really make the most of it. It's also okay to relax in here now and then and, and take it in, but I do have to make the most of it. I think that's a super, I'm, I mean, maybe I'm different to other people, but I've always been super, I find it very hard to relax and not do anything because I feel like I'm like, I just want to make the most of the situation that I'm in. I think it's almost like once you've seen the other side and what it can be like when you are creating all the time and you do feel like every day is a mm-hmm. joy, you're going to work, you're enjoying the things you do, yeah. you know that you Some can continue to do the things you I enjoy. Mean, fairness. Yeah. Well, that's life, isn't yeah. it? It's like if Some it was always like, on a high, exactly. then it would never feel like yeah. it was on a high. You kind of have to go through those. Yeah. But it's also sometimes it's those long days of just plowing through this to get something done that actually you look back on and you feel great about it. Um, I heard something yeah. the other day that was like, yeah. nostalgia is just memories without the pain. And it's like, you just think of it as being, <laughs> oh, that, that's, that was a fun time. But then you don't forget all the shit that you're yeah. going through whilst you're in it. But I think creating a life of <laughs> yeah. nostalgia of like great memories that there is no pain attached to them because they're in the past and you don't feel that anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's like once you've experienced it and you know how good it is and you see other people who aren't in that situation, you're like, hold on, like, you could be like me. You just need to do the things that I've done to get to this situation. And I think that's yeah. where a lot of people stop because they either don't know how to do it or think it's too much work to be able to get there. Like, I feel like I actually spend very little time on the computer making work, but I feel like I'm always working, if that makes sense, because so many yeah, yeah, things yeah. are tied up in work. Like, mm. for example, today I was at my friend's for three hours having a coffee, but we mainly discussed work. And we were like sorting through a bunch of stuff and it's like, yeah, okay, maybe that didn't seem super productive. But when I left, I figured out like a bunch of things and I went to the studio for three hours and got loads of stuff done that I wouldn't have done had I have sat at my friends. I have not gone to my friends this morning and because she's a, a really good painter and I feel like we've got a similar um, ethos in how we uh, like to approach work. So we kind of often talk about things and kind of deal with it. So there's lots of things in, in my day that um, I feel, or in most creatives' days, that I feel like aren't necessarily creative, but they lead to the creative kind of output. Yeah. It's also quite nice to have that thought of like, this is my life. And yes, I'm going to be creating for a small part of it. But the ho- everything else that I do is also benefiting towards that. Whereas if you're in a non-creative yeah. field, everything else you're doing around that is just floating around there. It's not benefiting anything. Whereas... Yeah, yeah, it's like I'm sat watching an anime on the train and it's like, yes, it's entertaining, but I'm also getting inspiration from the visuals and stuff that are in yeah. it that I could then bring into my work here. So it's like listening to some music and like the vibe of a certain track could then come into mm-hmm. or inspire me to create a certain photo in a certain way. And it's like being able to take all of those aspects of life is like, it's such a joy. I feel like it gives a richer, fuller life because <laughs> you're experiencing all of it. Like all of it is useful in some way instead of it just being like, that's this half of my life, and then this is this half of my life. It's almost like if you're trying to do two things at once. Like if you're trying to make two things successful, you're probably not going to make either successful. But as soon as you go into just doing one, 
then there's a, so much more chance that that can flourish. I think that was the problem with my early 20s. I wanted to do everything and I did everything. And so I did everything moderately okay. Yeah. Like I had a band, I had a record label, I did art, I worked in advertising. Like nothing really worked because I was trying to get... But I think it was that, that, that need of just, I'm like, I just want to make something and I want one of those things to work so that I can be just be doing that for the rest of my life. It's like that weird desperation of like, just one of them works so that that's like it's because it's I think a creative career is quite like un, an uncertain thing and so a lot of the time you're just trying to get one of the things to work so that you can have some form of peace in your head <laughs> yeah like <laughs> yeah I think but, that's but a, lot, I think, a lot of the time the hustle kind of comes from that and I think but I think that moment in a creative life is it's it's part of the journey that you can't skip I don't think anyone starts mm. at the start, finds the one thing, and then just continues doing that forever. I feel like it has to yeah. be, I'm going to try all of these different things to work out which one I actually like the most. Because it's only by doing stuff yeah. you realize what you don't want to do. And it's like, oh, actually, that would work, but maybe not. I won't really go down that route because, yeah, the music thing's not really working, and maybe I'll bring that back. But also by doing all these little things, all of those little aspects is what makes your single piece unique because you'll yeah. take the fact that you did a bit of music once, you're gonna that is yeah. gonna influence your work in some way somewhere and i think as a creative if we're early on in that journey it's important to try all the things because we never know which way we're gonna go like i'm a photographer now if you'd have asked me five years ago this would never be the case it's just because i went and tried something enjoyed yeah. it and i was like oh this is good and then just kind of went down a route that you wouldn't expect and i think if you feel like you've got that creative in you then you need to help it find its path by showing it all of the different options and kind of letting it taste all of the different things. And then once you're like, okay, that's the one for me, that's when you need to cut off everything and go all in. That's very true. And it, it, it's funny how you say like you, you dabble in different things and then I, I don't make music anymore. I was okay at it, but I obviously wasn't great at it. Um, but I always think about it and I always am thinking to how I can include music in my work. And especially now I st I've started to animate a lot more and, things like that I start to think a lot about music again and how I, and I'm like maybe I was not supposed to be like the next hot chip which was the goal but like I learn enough that now I understand music a bit better and then eventually I'll probably bring music into my work and that it will make sense and it will be like this kind of cohesive thing and then by the and then maybe I'll go back to film and um at the end of say like a 60 year career you'll be like oh I mean that's Chris but like he did you know, a bunch of things along the way. Like, if you, like, let's just take David Hockney as, a, as an example. Like, he's a painter, sure, but, like, he designed sets. He's, like, you know, there's, like, a million different things he's done. Like, and a lot of artists over time, if you look at them, they've done so many different things. And I don't think you go, like, oh, um, like, do you know who Jean-Paul Goud is? He's, like, a French... Um, he's amazing he did he's mostly known he's very big in france but he's mostly known internationally but he did all of grace jones's um artwork like in the period that we all know but he was like the the creative director of gq magazine and then he worked very heavily in music and he was kind of like grace jones's creative director so he did all of that and then he moved back to france and he was doing like stage design and installation and if you look at his like 50-year career like he's well into his 80s now and you like that you just think, oh, that's Jean Paul Good. He's done all these things. You don't go like, oh, he was a theater director, and then he kind of managed a, 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 
a magazine and then he was a painter for a bit, you go, oh, that's just Jean-Paul Gaud's work. Mm. Over time, it makes sense. And I think I always like to approach art like that. It's like, yeah, I do what I'm doing now, but in five years, maybe I'll be, I'll be making music videos. And five years after that, I might be making like experimental music sitting naked in a basement somewhere. Who knows? But like, it's, it'll, I think at the end of it, you'll be like, oh, well, all, all of that was, there'll be kind of a, um, a continuity. Yeah, I, I think the road is you just consistently make and then yeah. it will it will take you to different places. And I, I think it's one of the main goals of this podcast is just to do, encourage people just to consistently make because of where it yeah. will actually take you. And I suppose in those those early years, because you can't see that it's going to take you anywhere, you're, you're bad at the consistency. But as soon as you do <laughs> yeah. realise, like, if I keep doing this, it may not who knows where it will end up and and to i mean this is just turning into the kellyanna fan podcast but i always say when you when you like you could never replicate kelly because when you look at her work it's yeah. everywhere that she's been you've got dancing in there you've got you've got fashion like yeah. scribbling at fashion shows in there like every piece of where she's been she just takes a little bit and you can't help but as you live life and go on these journeys you can't help but these little parts to come into your work and if you're consistently making it, it, the work takes you there. It will just take you itself. Like, like a, I just sort of got this picture of like the a person being just picked up by the work and like kind of rolled along, and that's that's yeah. essentially what happens. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's the best way to approach it. I just, it's really, I know what it's like to be twenty and be like, fuck, nothing's working, and like, what do I do? Yeah. And it's so frustrating, and it's it's so shitty. But then. It does work out eventually and it's you just have to have patience because if you don't, you'll just drive yourself mad. But I yeah. I was so restless and so impatient and so like, why is nothing working? Yeah. It was in to the point of enraging, but I, yeah, you just have to get through it. And I feel like the creators who succeed and are still doing it at the end are the ones who just didn't give up. It's like when all the shit hit them, yeah. they didn't stop and they just kept going. And I think anyone you're looking at now as inspiration they everyone went through shit everyone went through awful work that they hated mm. and even now they'll still make work that they hate but it's like yep. you just need to keep pushing through it i always use janet jackson as like a <laughs> as like a metaphor and she had like everyone kind of sees her as like this album control which was her first album really it was her third album and because she did these two albums before that were just like Hey, you're Michael Jackson's sister. Here, go with these producers and record these this album, and like you'll be really famous. And they just did fuck all because, you know what? And but she just kept hustling, and then finally that she got her chance because she'd been doing it for so long that they kind of gave her a bit of creative control, and she was like, "I'm gonna do this now." And you think like Janet Jackson, like most famous woman in the world, like very very famous person, like surely she never had to go through these shitty things. And it's like, she literally went through two albums, what's that, eight years, probably did two world tours, all of this music she probably hates, mm. didn't want to do. And then eventually it led to her, like finally getting a chance to make music that actually represented her. And then from then she went massive and had this like full career. Um, listen, dude, it's been so great to chat to you. Um, thank you so much for okay. coming on the show. Could you let nice. everyone know where they can find you online? Yeah, sure. So you, I mean, I feel like Instagram is probably the best way to find me, which is my name, Chris with a K, Andrew Small. Awesome. Thank Boom. you, dude. Thank you so much, dude.